0: Hello and welcome to the Basement Talk podcast fantasy show. I am your host, Adam Caster here with my co-host, Ed Birdsall on an especially hot Monday morning. It is 100 degrees outside. Thank God we're both inside. Yes. Just yes. Yeah. Yes to everything I just said. (laughs) Yes.
1: (laughs) How are you, Adam? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. How are you? I I am on top of the world. I am wearing my future club captain Kieran Tierney Arsenal shirt. It's a very good weekend for the Arsenal, up the Arsenal. 2-0 win against Manchester City in the FA Cup semifinals and we'll be playing Chelsea in the FA Cup final, which is revenge for Baku, baby.
0: I was going to say that. Re- episode episode 6, revenge for Baku.
1: C-O-Y-G-U-T-A.
0: Return, return of the Baku.
1: If you know you know. Adam, I, I I apologize for the um, lackluster showing that your side showed over the uh, the weekend, but not many can have Pierre Emerick Aubameyang in their lives. That's true.
0: Well, our Pierre Emerick Aubameyang was injured, so
1: true, true. I I, I will I'll, I'll give you that one. I will yeah. say it could have been it could have been a much a much different state of affairs if uh, Sergio Aguero was fit, because Sergio Aguero just kills us for a living
0: because i think gabriel jesus needs to be put on the on the next boat back to brazil for his performance (laughs) we'll take him (laughs) i'll get we'll give you five bucks for him for just it it just was not not a great showing at all i mean raheem sterling also did not do well at all and honestly i don't even blame ederson for that for that stuff because i mean those shots were amazing by Bamiyang. it was hard. It was hard to save them.
1: Well, the second one was just a great pass by my future club captain Kieran Tierney, after excellent hold-up play by the world's greatest footballer Nicola Pepe, to set him in unmarked one-on-one with Ederson, which he slotted. him. I mean, that's just a, a great finish by by uh, Pierre Emerick Bamiang. And then uh, the first goal, again, it was an excellent cross by the world's greatest footballer and Nicola Pepe. Benjamin Mendy was uh, sleeping at the far post. And the finish by a Walker. Uh, I'll give him credit. Was it uh, Kyle Walker? Yeah. Yes, it was. I apologize. Yes, it was Kyle Walker. Even better, even better. Because I, I actually, I don't mind Benjamin Mendy. I don't like Kyle Walker. So, uh, even better. Yeah, he's kind of a dick. Uh, he play, he he played for that club, so automatically. Well, eh. not even that, but he also like drove all the way to Sheffield during in the middle of a pandemic. Any any any. I don't know if I could. I don't know if I could say this, but. Eh. It's an explicit podcast. It's okay. Didn't we say Annie, it? he had, like had, a, a had a wild sex party, too. Yeah, he had an Eyes Wide Shut party. <laughs> I'm sorry, a what?
0: An Eyes Wide Shut party? You ever see the movie Eyes Wide Shut? No? No. Eyes Wide Shut? Yeah, it's made in uh, 1999. Please, please in, explain. In 1999 erotic mystery psychological drama film directed, produced, and co-written by Stanley Kubrick. So... There, that Kubrick directed... Yeah, so Tom Cruise, Nicole, and Nicole Kidman were in it with Sydney Pollack what? and Marie Richardson.
1: What the hell?
0: Yeah, this, this is like a feature film. Yeah, it's a feature film. This is cool. not like some sort of porn. No, this is like a legit. This is an art, an art film.
1: Okay, yeah. So he had he had you said an and I quote eyes wide shut party. Yeah, it's well, it's kind
0: of at least from. The people that I talk to, it's like a catch all term for like a weird sex party. Because oh. that, that movie, oh. it's, just, it's just a weird sex party that happens oh. where everybody's wearing masks. Never mind. I'm sure that would be a great movie to watch on date night. Yeah. Eyes, eyes wide shut and chill. Let's <laughs> leave it at that. I don't want to go too deep into this because it's not, it's not. There's a line we have here at the Basement Talk Podcast. Really? Is there a line? I'm making, I'm drawing
1: one right now and the line is Eyes Wide Shut. Oh, okay, okay. Okay, so that's like the extreme end. Okay, so anything anything beyond Eyes Wide Shut is unacceptable. Yeah. We do not stand for anything further than Eyes Wide Shut here on the Basement Talk podcast. The real reason, no news and notes this
0: time, but the real reason we're going to be here is not to talk about weird erotic movies directed by Stanley Kubrick. It's because... We are doing our fantasy previews for the 2020 season. Question mark.
1: (laughs) Yes. Question mark. Big question mark. Bold, italicized, underlined, size 36 font. Can I go
0: go one step further and say word art as well? You word art that question mark?
1: Yes, absolutely. You can. That is absolutely acceptable word art. I'm sure you had some wonderful times on Word on Word Art as you're watching Eyes Wide Shut.
0: I, d- I tell you what, it's not the same time. That movie oh, came out when we oh, were three. Years- we were three years old when that movie came out.
1: Okay, I'm
0: just I'm just saying.
1: It's modern, it's it's considered modern cinema. It,
0: it is modern. It is modern cinema.
1: Cinema. I mean, people are still watching uh, Apocalypse Now.
0: It's it well, that's a that's a phenomenal I was thinking movie.
1: of any of any old movie that I could potentially put into this conversation. I'm surprised you didn't think of another
0: Stanley Kubrick movie because you know, we made 2001, a Space and, and 2001 Space Odyssey and the show 2001
1: Space Odyssey is a fantastic film. Yeah, I would never put 2001 a Space Odyssey in the conversation of a sexual erotica erotic film
0: unless you're talking about the works of Stanley Kubrick
1: because unless I'm talking about the words the work of Stanley Kubrick, but I would assume that eyes wide shut is not in the same stratosphere as 2001 a space odyssey or the shining for that matter well you'd
0: be right anyway so last episode we talked about the afc east and what we can look forward to for the patriots dolphins jets and bills so now we're going to the opposite conference the a- the nfc east home to bird's very own dallas cowboys and three other teams mainly
1: yes yeah
0: so on that note let's start off with the dallas cowboys oh whoa 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 i thought we were going to do one quick
1: question
0: oh really we are going to do one quick question i of course we got so sidetracked when we were talking about uh stanley kubrick's last film
1: uh my one the one quick question for the day is how would you rate eyes wide shut in a range of other films that you have seen in your life Tell you what that's a good question it's very thematic for the episode the godfather part two or eyes wide shut different strokes for different folks adam yeah, wink that, wink.
0: that uh, yeah i hope people can hear the winks through the podcast you you know you know how like when you listen to somebody recording something you can tell whether or not they're smiling while they're recording
1: it oh yes
0: yes yeah. i hope people can hear the fact that you're you're trying to wink at me when you're set, when you're making that that joke.
1: You mistake wink for having the time of my life. Yeah. talking about a an erotic film that I have not seen. Yeah. And I'm going to take every opportunity for the next hour or however long we record this podcast for to make every joke imaginable about Eyes Wide Shut. All right then. It's going to be fabulous. It's really going to yep. be fabulous. Anyway, enough about Eyes Wide Shut. But I'm for sure. now, apparently. For now, exactly. Um, the one quick question that I have for today is your top five wide receivers in PPR are blank.
0: Top five wide receivers in PPR? Yes. I will say. In order. Ooh, in order. That's yes, your top, your top five bit receivers. In order. I would say Devontae Adams. At one. At one. Over Michael Thomas. Yes. It's not – it's close, though.
1: It's close, though. You're going to need to explain that. Go ahead.
0: Does I just think Michael th-
1: Thomas is at two? Yes. Okay. Um, Tyreek Hill, Julio, DeAndre Hopkins.
0: That's, what I, that's That's the thing. It's like I have to leave one of these receivers out. That's the hardest part about this, about the top five. No, you don't. You can put all three in. Oh, that's true. Uh, I'd say Tyree Hill at three, Julio Jones at four, and DeAndre Hopkins at five.
1: Okay. I have I have Michael Thomas at one, because that is the he's my number two overall player for what mm-hmm. it's worth. Uh Devontae Adams at two. I have Julio Jones at three. I have Tyreek Hill at four, and I have Allen Robinson at five. That is a bold strategy, Cotton. <laughs> Well, Allen Rob- Alan Robinson, I- I've had to defend this point for, I feel like, the better part of the last month when I've said that Allen Robinson is a top-five receiver. This is a guy that had 98 receptions last year, just over 1,100 yards receiving, and nine touchdowns, with Mitch Trubisky as his quarterback. He is, he is the best receiver in the National Football League that nobody talks about. It's true. I remember he also had 1,400 yards receiving with Blake Bortles yep he's like a modern day Larry Fitzgerald he does it all with
0: terrible quarterbacks
1: he he's elite He is an elite receiver and I think that's probably are
0: go ahead I think it's probably why people aren't like myself aren't really looking to him as a top five wide receiver because the quarterback play is just has just not been good in Chicago even well he uh, hasn't needed
1: it no exactly He hasn't needed it, and I I think that's what really sets up Allen Robinson. He's also in a contract year, so he's playing for his cash, which also helps. He's going to see the contract that Amari Cooper just got for $20 million a year when he had more catches and more yards than Amari Cooper did and more touchdowns for what what it's worth, and he's going to say, oh, okay, well, if I can basically keep up my numbers the way they were last year, I should make more than Amari Cooper did. And I think he would have have a a very good case. And I also think that you look at the Chicago Bears, they're not going to be a good football team. They're going to be down in games a whole lot. There are questions about the running game as well. You don't know who the real number one back is there, whether it is David Montgomery, whether he can crack the shell that he uh, was obviously kept in by head coach Matt Nagy last year. And Tariq Cohen as well. You know you expect him to be a vital part of this offense. But if they're down in games, they're not going to be handing the ball off, and Montgomery is going to take a hit based on that. And they're going to be throwing the ball. And who is the number one guy on offense still for the Chicago Bears, even after the U.S. season? It is Allen Robinson. So yeah. for me, he, he's a top five guy. I look. I look at DeAndre Hopkins. Yes. it it is very close for me putting him in. I think Kyler Murray does take a big step up in year two, but I look at it this way. If there is an abbreviated version of training camp, which as of right now, if there is any news and notes that we're going to have on this episode, I guess this is it that teams are ready to report next week. Like that's happening. Full training camp starts the 28th. So if that still happens and there is a full training camp then maybe I would adjust and I would say DeAndre Hopkins would be in my top five over Allen Robinson but if something happens and training camps are canceled or whatever you gotta you gotta obviously factor in how many reps are Kyler Murray and DeAndre Hopkins going to have because it's not an automatic connection between the two, like it was when Deshaun Watson was with DeAndre Hopkins, you could see that connection was, was automatic. And if DeAndre Hopkins was in Houston, he'd be a top five guy with ease. I would probably put him at number four over, over Tyreek Hill, maybe at number three over Julio. But now that he's in Arizona, there is a whole learning curve that has to happen. He has to learn a whole new offense who knows what material he has had to really look over and study in terms of the playbook. So we gotta hope, in terms of DeAndre Hopkins, that there is a training camp where you can get on that same level with Kyler Murray, because we saw what happened when we were we were hyping up a, a new offense, new offensive powerhouse last year with Cleveland when they acquired Odell Beckham, and look what happened there. So I'm not saying it's camp. gonna be the same thing. I'm not saying I'm not saying it's gonna be the same thing because I think DeAndre Hopkins is a miles better receiver than Odell Beckham even at his peak, but. There is going to be a learning curve there, especially with all that's going on with the five-letter V word that we will not mention. It, it may be a little bit of an adjustment, and it may not be the same DeAndre Hopkins that we are all used to with like the way that he was in Houston. Yeah.
0: Well, also, to factor into that, they're thinking about basically having one preseason
1: game as well. Yeah, I, I even saw two. I, yeah. I, I, I'm pretty sure they canceled two preseason games already. And the Hall of Fame game as well. Yeah. Which honestly, I mean, you, Makes really sense. Only,
0: you only need like two, I feel like. Yeah. Because that's – Yeah, the, I agree. Because basically, the only preseason games that matter are in a normal season are the second and third ones. Fair. Because the fourth one, nothing happens. And then the first one, everybody's just trying to like, you know, get
1: get back in luck- shape. You're, you're lucky if you're seeing the starters come on the field for a drive.
0: Yeah. Basically, if I remember how it was last year when the Jets played the Giants in week one of preseason for the for the MetLife Bowl, quote unquote, uh Sam Ronald was basically out there for a drive and they're like, okay, bring in Trevor Simeon, and that was it. But uh, yeah. Yeah, it's yeah, fair. Oh Trevor Simeon. You hardly knew yeah.
1: <laughs> I mean, you, you still haven't answered the question as to, uh, as to why you have uh, Devontae Adams over Michael Thomas. I'm, I'm very curious. Well, it's because you went you just went and did your list. So um, I
0: think Devontae Adams over Michael Thomas. I think Devontae Adams is going to get more of a target share in Ooh. the uh, Packers offense because, okay. well, I mean, more of a target share in the Packers offense than I think Michael Thomas might get in the, in the Saints offense
1: interesting like proportionally speaking because okay I think- so, so go yeah. ahead go ahead no what, what were you gonna say i was gonna say so your your thinking here is that you're anticipating that aaron Rodgers is going to be dropping back more than drew Brees is, and when he does drop back he's going to be throwing to devontae adams yes okay because I, I don't think I, I could say it i mean i love devontae adams so you having yeah. him at number one is music to my ears but for me, Drew Brees looks one way. He looks one way too. It's it's the thirteen. Yeah, it's true.
0: Well, he also he has Alvin Kamara also, and I think the the true. pack the Packers don't really have much as far as like actual competition for Devontae Adams as far as weapons are concerned.
1: True. No, no, you are right. They did not draft the receiver. Yeah, famously no. did not draft famously. the famously. Yeah, exactly. Um. You know, you kind of you kind of make a, a, a good point. I think I kind of, you know, shoot this back to you in a way. So you're anticipating then that – because Alvin Kamara was hurt all of last year. That has been said. It's been confirmed. He was hurt all of last year, and that hurt him a ton. So you think what you're saying is that Alvin Kamara comes back to form – and take some of those receptions away, receptions and touchdowns for that matter, away from michael thomas yeah, because I mean
0: when you're thinking about fantasy football, and this is kind of an overarching thing you can't make decisions in a vacuum, and you have to fit, you have to focus you have to consider all of the different options and possibilities in an offense, like well, you know, you can say that like I mean Larry Fitzgerald for so many years like yeah he's a great receiver, he's an incredible receiver, one of the best but he for a lot of his career he was held back by his quarterback play and you have to think about that when you're drafting players that are not quarterbacks because they have to cuz the way the football works it's a lot you a lot of the skill position players that you focus on in fantasy football rely on the quarterback and like the the stuff around the around the team
1: so we'll do a quick exercise then just mm-hmm. for you we'll do an extra one quick question, then we'll, uh, we'll move on. Um, so if you're thinking Kamara bounces back, which for for the record, I, I think he does as well, where is he in your running backs? Top, is, he, is he a top five running back for you? I think he's a top five running back for me. Is he top three? Well. Do you have him over McCaffrey, Barkley, or Zeke? No. Okay. Yep. Do you have him over? I'm thinking about myself because I have third pick in our uh, fantasy league. So do. this is important do. stuff for what it's worth. I'm taking Michael Thomas over Barkley and Zeke. Yeah.
0: This me. is like doing your homework while the teacher is uh, giving you the lesson.
1: <laughs> pretty much, pretty much. I mean, for me, I get Michael Thomas. I, I have the four pick in that league. And if I get Michael Thomas, I will be thrilled. I'm pretty sure that,
0: he's not going to make it, or he's going to make it to you. I don't think.
1: And I will snap him up on a heartbeat.
0: Yeah, I don't think people are going to be as like willing to take a receiver at, I mean, I'm probably not going to take him at three, and I don't think the people who have uh, first and second are willing to take a receiver first and second overall, even though I have no idea who they are, just like based on how people in fantasy
1: think and sure. work. So who would you rather have, Alvin Kamara or Dalvin Cook? I'd rather have Alvin Kamara. Ooh, okay. Yeah. Okay. Would you rather have Alvin Kamara or Josh Jacobs?
0: Mm. I'd rather have... Mm, that's tough. Oh, is it? Well, I think they, they both have upside. I think I'd rather have Kamara. Okay.
1: I, I would rather have Kamara too. Uh, Alvin Kamara or Nick Chubb? I'd rather have Kamara. Alvin Kamara or Joe Mixon? I'd rather have Alvin Kamara. I'd rather have Alvin Kamara too. Yeah. Yeah. I, I would rather have Dalvin Cook though, over Alvin Kamara. Pending, pending, of course, that Dalvin Cook does show up, and it'll be interesting next week when we. Um, well, that too. When we when we record, whatever episode we do next week, depending on whatever division that we're on, um, when training camp is in full swing, we're going to see who reports and who doesn't. Who knows? We might be
0: on the NFC North at that point. We could we, be. And, uh, yeah, we could actually be in a position to uh, talk about that sort of thing.
1: True. We absolutely could be.
0: But, anyway, I think that this has gone long enough. We can talk – now we can talk about uh, your beloved Dallas Cowboys and how their fantasy outlook is for the 2020 season. And starting off with the quarterback. Number one, everything. I figured you were going to say that. But uh, starting off with the quarterback, Dak Prescott, Uh, A lot has been made of Dak Prescott because now he has uh, probably the best receiving core in the NFL with the uh, Cowboys drafting CeeDee Lamb in the first round. And now he has CeeDee Lamb, Amari Cooper and Michael Gallups. And plus he has Ezekiel Elliott, of course. So where are you looking to draft Dak Prescott?
1: Well, obviously, the first two quarterbacks are going to be Mahomes and Jackson in any particular order. I think that is very, that's set in stone, you know, in, in whatever order you prefer them. Uh, for me, I would rather have Mahomes over Jackson, but then I know people who would rather have Lamar Jackson for the rushing upside over Mahomes. And I, I fully understand that. But then after that is when it definitely does get a little bit murky in terms of who would you have out of guys like Russell Wilson Kyler Murray Deshaun Watson and then of course the aforementioned Dak Prescott I would out of those I think I'd rather have Dak Prescott because you look at the upside that Dak has Dak was the number three quarterback last year just because of the amount of times that he threw he was number two in the league in passing yards, just behind Jameis Winston so Dak last year really had to carry a – I don't want to say it was a terrible football team. I would say it was a terribly coached football team. But then I look at Dak and I say, what's different from last year? You have Mike McCarthy, who has had great success in working with Brett Favre, and then, of course, Aaron Rodgers. You bring in CeeDee Lamb, like you you mentioned, Adam. I think he's going to open so much up for this Cowboys offense – And then you have Amari Cooper coming back. You have Michael Gallup, who is back. And obviously, he's looking for that massive third-year breakout. But you could would even say that Michael Gallup had his breakout last year. He was a 1,000-yard receiver last year. And then, of course, you have Ezekiel Elliott, who should be in shape. The offensive line should be as good as it was. Obviously, the retirement of Travis Frederick kind of puts, uh, throws a wrench into things, but uh, Joe Looney has proven to be a serviceable starting center uh, in the past for the Cowboys, and I think he will come in. And whether it is him or Tyler Biadasch, I think either one will be a good starting option for the Cowboys at center. And that offensive line should not skip a beat. But in terms of Dak, he is my number three quarterback. I, I really think I am very interested in Dak. I think if you could get him in the sixth or the seventh round, I think I'm okay. With Dak going there, because he offers he offers some rushing upside. You know, we, we've seen Dak take in those, those keepers at the one- or two-yard line in the past, but he also can throw the ball. And anybody who wants to go at Dak and say that Dak is not a good quarterback, he's overrated, this and this and that, Dak can make all the throws. And he is not asked to do a whole lot. The Cowboys offense under Jason Garrett was – it, it was a very in between, in between the the numbers sort of offense. You know, he was throwing, he was throwing dump offs, he was throwing slants, he was throwing posts. You know, he can make all the throws. But now with Mike McCarthy coming in, this Cowboys offense could have a whole new modern look. And we've seen Mike McCarthy not necessarily lean on the running back so much. His offense really is very centered on the quarterback position, but. Mike McCarthy has also never had a running back to the quality of Ezekiel Elliott, who we'll get to in a minute. So where do I think Dak Prescott finishes? I think Dak Prescott is a lock for, for top five. I think Dak knows he's playing for his cash again. I think Dak is going to ball out. I could see Dak. see. I don't think that Dak is going to be the 4,900 yard passer that he was last year. But can I see him being a 4,700-yard guy with 27 to 30 touchdowns and 8 to 10 interceptions? Yeah. Yeah, I absolutely can. And you sprinkle in a couple rushing touchdowns there. Uh, that should be good enough for, uh, for top five uh, QB value. And for what it's worth, Dak Prescott also has the sixth easiest schedule in terms of quarterbacks that should really help Dak get back to uh to being a top five quarterback once again and get him back-to-back uh top five finishes
0: that's true well actually they are playing the AFC, uh, the AFC North this year so yes they are that is going to be a hard little gauntlet
1: that they're going to be having to go for true but but good luck to uh to any team that's playing the Cowboys this year when they have to go up against uh Marty Cooper Michael Gallup and uh and Seedy you know, you, you, you can only double one. It's true.
0: You can only double one. Thank God we do not have to play the Cowboys for another four years. For another three
1: years. Yes. For your sake, yes. Yeah. And probably for mine, too, because I just don't I don't like playing the New York Jets. Too many bad memories.
0: Yeah, I mean, the last three times, it's just not been, not been good. I don't recall. I figured you, you would have uh, repressed those memories. I don't recall. Exactly. Uh, moving on to another player that is going to be turning some heads, I think more mainstream-wise than a Dak Prescott is Ezekiel Elliott, who is almost guaranteed to be going in the top three in drafts this this August or whenever you have your draft.
1: Depending on how you feel, Michael Thomas, yes.
0: Yeah. Depending on whether or not your name is Ed Birdsall. True. Sure. So... Uh, yeah, Ezekiel Elliott, as usual, is the Cowboys' number one back, and he's one of the best backs in fantasy football outside of uh, Christian McCaffrey, and I think he's better than Saquon Barkley, in my opinion. Hot take. Yeah.
1: Hot take, but but I appreciate it.
0: I'm sure you do, considering the teams. And anyway, um, yeah, he was the overall RB3 in PPR formats, incredible. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, the guy just like oozes fancy, point, fancy points. The, and with the uh, Cowboys having a relatively easy schedule, like you said, and the fact that the team is going to be so good that they're going to be leading in, a, in, a fair, in at least half of their games going into the fourth quarter, that's going to give opportunities for Ezekiel LA, Ezekiel LA to get a lot of carries and he could just like force his way down the field and into the end zone for touchdowns.
1: I think what I'm most excited about in terms of Mike McCarthy coming in for to be the Cowboys' uh, new head coach is what he's going to do in terms of getting Ezekiel Elliott the ball more consistently. And that doesn't even mean necessarily how many rushing attempts he's going to get per game. I want to see... What Mike McCarthy does in terms of his ability to get Ezekiel Elliott more receptions, he had 54 receptions last year, but in 2017, excuse me, in 2018, I apologize, he had 77 receptions. So I think if you can get Ezekiel Elliott somewhere in that 60 to 65 catch range, and then you add on the amount of, Attempts that he has, he's basically averaging out at about 300 or so attempts per year. So then you add on the receptions. So you're basically talking about somewhere in the range of about 350 to 375 touches for Zeke. It's a lot of touches, no doubt. But Zeke has also proven to be one of the most durable running backs in the National Football League. And yeah, there have been some major concerns with running backs namely Todd Gurley who the dur- the durability issues are a major concern when it comes to running backs but with Ezekiel Elliott this this guy doesn't he doesn't have a bruise like I
0: mean, it's it's amazing the only time he missed a game was because of like off
1: the field stuff yeah yeah he does not he does not miss games because he's hurt not knock on wood but are you that's what that your that's, head is made out of wood yes <laughs> <laughs> yes, knock on knock on wood, but I love Ezekiel Elliott this year because I just think you look at what Mike McCarthy has the ability to do with this kind of offense, where he has so many toys at his disposal. Zeke could almost become—I don't want to say this because I don't think it's going to be true—because Zeke, you could make a case, is the best player, individual player, on this offense. But he could become an afterthought when you're looking at the trio of receivers that Dallas has, Lamb, Gallup, Cooper. Then people are going to say, oh, shit, you also have Ezekiel Elliott. And you could make a case that pound for pound, he could be the best running back in the National Football League. So when it comes down to his numbers and what I think he can be capable of this year, you look at what Zeke had last year. He had 14 total touchdowns last year. I think that number comes down a little bit, but not a lot. I still think that the rushing touchdowns will still be about the same. He had nine last year. I think nine of 10 is about right in the, in the amount of the range that I'm looking for. But I think in terms of receiving touchdowns, I think he had four. He had four last year. I think that number comes down a bit. I'm going to say he probably settles around two or three. And then you look at the yards. I think he – I don't want to say a lock because there's no such thing as a lock in fantasy football. We all know that. But I think Zeke – if there's anybody that I would go on record and say is a lock to be a 1,200-yard rushing back, it's Ezekiel Elliott. I – just think that he is—he's money for the Cowboys. He's money for fantasy, and there are certain guys that you just—you go to sleep at night, and you are very, very, very happy that you have in your lineup. And Ezekiel Elliott is that guy.
0: So you're not worried that uh, Mike McCarthy's pass-happy offense is going to eat into Ezekiel Elliott's rushing numbers, or do you think that's just going to translate to receiving
1: yards? I can't be concerned about it because I think if Mike McCarthy was doing his at-home study sessions last year and he watched any games that were involving the Dallas Cowboys, he saw how important the dynamic is between Dak Prescott and Ezekiel Elliott. I think he's going to do his absolute damnest to make sure that Ezekiel Elliott gets his touches, that Dak Prescott gets the opportunity to ball out and that this offense is a powerhouse because if, if the Cowboys are doing what they're supposed to do and they're up in games, they're in the fourth quarter, they're up by 10 points, let's say, and they need to, dra- they need to drain the clock, guess who the ball is going to? It's the ball is grounded bound with number 21. Exactly. So he's going to get his reps. There's no doubt about it because this team is too good to be 8-8. Eight eight. I think with a new coach, with new philosophy, new ideas coming in, I think this could be a potentially a very special year for, uh, for the Cowboys in real life and, of course, in, in fantasy too. I'm, I'm all over uh, the Dallas Cowboys, and now we get to the fun part in talking about their receivers because, boy, is there a lot to break down here.
0: Yes. So as previously mentioned, seemingly an infinite amount of times on the show, uh, the Cowboys have a, a veritable stack of incredible wide receivers with Amari Cooper, Michael Gallup, and CeeDee Lamb. And frankly, it's like in the, in the group of Ezekiel Elliott, Amari Cooper, Michael Gallup, and CeeDee Lamb, who's the Ringo of this
1: group? <laughs> like really? It's a really good question because I look at all of these receivers and I, I say to myself, they offer something different, all of them. There was a report that came out today that said that the Cowboys are going to try and use CeeDee Lamb in a in a jet sweep sort of role where he will basically run into rounds and take handoffs and get you some rushing yards as well, which, I, I, look, I don't blame the Cowboys for trying to do that. Because CeeDee Lamb is electric with the ball in his hand. I mean, there's there's just no doubt about it. But then you send him, you know, to run a route. If he's going to be the slot guy, which is looking like it's going to be the case, there are a lot of guys that are going to have major issues trying to contain CeeDee Lamb. But I urge on the side of caution because he's a rookie, and people need to remember that, that, CeeDee Lamb is not going to be a guy that's going to have 70, 80 catches in his first year. It's just not going to happen. But can I see CeeDee Lamb being a 50 catch guy where he's racking in 700 yards and four or five touchdowns in his rookie year? Yeah. Yeah, I absolutely can. And I think he's – in fantasy, I think he – I think he could be a flex sort of play when you need a guy – to fill in on a bye week, if he has a good matchup, the Cowboys' receivers actually have a very favorable strength of schedule. They have the fifth easiest um, strength schedule against opposing uh, defenses. That is helpful in terms of you know if you need someone to fill in on a bye with Ceedee Lamb. Even even if you want to take a shot with Michael Gallup as a flex, I think Michael Gallup is a very safe option. As is Amari Cooper. The thing with Amari Cooper, though that kind of scares me a little bit is I look at Amari Cooper and I say say to myself, he has had issues when going up against top-notch corners, namely Tredavious White and then, of course, Stephon Gilmore. Let's take a look now at the Cowboys' schedule because we need to look at the corners that – Amari Cooper will be going up against to really assess, you know, what we think his season is going to, to look like. Michael Gallup, I think he's going to be another 1,000-yard guy. I think his, his ceiling might be 1,000 yards, maybe a little more than that with six, seven touchdowns. I think if he, if he were to get that, he, that's, a, that's a fine flex, maybe with Listen, upside
0: there's only of one a low end wide
1: receiver too. What's that? There's only one football bird. I know that, <laughs> I know that. But you're talking about Dak being a 4,600 yard passer. The ball's got to go somewhere. It's true. Well, so up, yeah. Go ahead.
0: Go Corner. Ahead. As far as corners are concerned, I, the one I could think of off the top of my head, that he's probably gonna have trouble with is, of course, Darius Slay.
1: With the, potentially, yes. Yeah. Potentially, yes. Uh, the other one that I that I thought of off the top of my head too, Week One, in L.A., Jalen Ramsey. Yes. That could be an issue. Um, the Browns, Denzel Ward. Uh, the Giants, James Bradbury. Eh, not really. Uh, the Cardinals, Patrick Peterson. Mm, eh, I don't think so either. Then Darius Slay. Then you got the Ravens. Their guys, Earl Thomas, I'm sure will be keeping a close eye on Amari Cooper. Then you have Richard Sherman, the 49ers, fantasy playoffs. Yeah. So really all you're looking at here is you're looking at Richard Sherman, the Ravens, Darius Slay twice, Patrick Peterson maybe, Denzel Ward, uh, Shaquem Griffin, and Jalen Ramsey as the as the top-notch corners that Amari Cooper is going to go up against. The way I see Amari Cooper, he could be capable of so much more than we, we got from him last year. And this is with also some games where Amari Cooper was – not necessarily out of at his best, namely of course the Patriots game, but you're talking 79 receptions from Amari last year, and just a shade under 1,200 yards. I think if you can get that number that number of receptions up a hair, you're talking maybe six more catches, and you can get that number to 1,200 yards, and you keep touchdowns the same at eight, maybe you can get nine. I think it's a very fine season from from Amari Cooper and. I think that you could you could very easily make a case that Amari Cooper could be a top twelve receiver, and I don't think anybody would call, would call you crazy just because of the kind of connection that he has with uh, Dak Prescott. I mean, I don't I don't know how you feel about the uh, the Cowboys guys, Adam, but I think anybody who's going to go invest in in the Cowboys, uh, this could be a fantasy football goldmine if invested in the right spots.
0: Yeah, I, there's definitely places where it could be a gold mine and there are a couple places if you are a bit over over i guess over anxious overzealous overzealous you can be you can have your hands full of fool's gold some some pyrite in your hands true if you try and overdraft michael Gallup or CeeDee lamb thinking that they're gonna immediately be really good uh next season better than before
1: yeah before we uh, before we wrap up uh, talking about the Cowboys, there's one more uh, player that I wanted to talk about as a potential sleeper. Uh, I talked about this on the original uh, the debate that the legitimate podcast Basement Talk podcast. Uh, Blake Jarwin is a guy that I like a lot in terms of uh, a late round tight end that could potentially blossom into something. I'm not saying that he's going to be you know a top five tight end, but if you're talking about a guy that maybe you can get in the Double-digit rounds that could produce low-end tight end one numbers. I think Blake Jarwin could potentially be that guy.
0: All right. Yeah. No. Definitely. I mean, with how thin the tight end position is, whatever you can get, you can take. You'll take it.
1: Yeah, I don't think Dalton Schultz is going to be uh, taking over Blake Jarwin anytime soon.
0: Nope. Especially since I have no idea who that is, and
1: for- or Blake Bell or Blake all- Bell's Super Bowl winning tight end Blake Bell.
0: I know who that is, but the uh, the other one. I, for all I know, you could have just made up that, that, uh, that name.
1: Maybe I did. And I would I know. did. I did do it. I'm sure flash. you didn't.
0: Okay, moving on to the New York football giants. And starting off with their quarterback, potential quarterback of the future, Daniel Jones, who had a very strong finish to 2019. But I don't know... I don't know if it's going to be like a full season, if this is going to be like how how Daniel Jones is for the entire season, because I think teams are going to be going to, I mean, I mean, there's no training camp, but I think that, you know, coaches never stop working and they're going to be in the film room, especially coaches that lost to the uh, New York giants. Like, well, you know, Daniel Jones is beat us this one week let's say is like how do we stop him and they're going to try and figure out a way to stop him and really what's going to be telling is how daniel jones adapts to this because i think really if they take away like darius slayton his his favorite
1: target it's going to be pretty hard for daniel jones to really do much see giants Giants fans may come at me for this i like daniel jones a lot this year. I I have him ranked as my 15th quarterback because I look at him, I see mobility. I think this is a guy that can get you some yards on the ground. I think he can get you one or two rushing touchdowns over the course of the season. He has a favorable uh, schedule, 19th in terms of quarterbacks, middle of the road, you would say. But the one thing with Daniel Jones is if you take away the turnovers that he had last year, fumbles, interceptions, all that, Daniel Jones' numbers were actually very good. And, Adam, you make a great point, and we're going to get to talking about the pass catchers in a bit, but I have one of those pass catchers ranked pretty highly versus what other people may say. And I'll, I'll, get, I'll get talking about uh, who that guy is in a minute, but Daniel Jones, in a 2QB league, I would, I would want him as easy as my number two quarterback. I think he could be a very, very solid option when you're talking about the defenses that the NFC East has to offer. He's got six matchups against defenses that have proven to be a little bit leaky. So if you can get those six matchups, that's right right then and there. You're talking about maybe Daniel Jones giving you 15, 20 points for a quarterback in a two QB league where he's your number two QB. That's not bad. That's not bad at all. Now, if he's your QB one, in a deeper league, I would want to pair him with somebody just in case. But I think Daniel Jones offers upside. And if Daniel Jones were to finish as a top 12 quarterback, given how bad I expect the Giants to be and how I believe that they're going to be throwing a lot late in games, it only helps Daniel Jones. It But it also, there's a big caveat in all of this and that is if he can manage the turnovers. If there are no fumbles, if there are no interceptions, you can cut those numbers down, then I think Daniel Jones will be fine for fantasy. I think if anybody's looking for a cheap option at quarterback, Daniel Jones can potentially be that guy. 12 interceptions last year, fine number in 13 games, but here's the big one, 18 fumbles. 18 fumbles. 18 fumbles it's in, like 13, Collins. in 13 games. He's yeah, Car- he's Kerry Collins in 13 games. That I know. Is over a fumble a game. That's not good. It really isn't. I mean, they,
0: usually, you know, when young quarterbacks come in, it's the interceptions. Those were the, that was the problem. But for Daniel Jones, his problem is fumbles. And honestly, I think fumbles. Are an easier problem to fix than interceptions. I agree. Because interception or interceptions you have to is like a constant is a constant thing you have to work on. Fumbles, as long as you get the muscle memory of how of holding a football and holding a football while you're dropping back, then you won't fumble as often. So I think that whether or not there is a training camp, Daniel Jones needs to work on holding the football with two hands. Because there were so many times late in games and even in the middle of games where Daniel Jones, where the Giants were on a promising drive, and it's like, well, Daniel Jones got, tri- got strip-sacked and uh, ball got turned over. You just hear the anguish in Bob Papa's voice every single time that happened.
1: Well, I mean, I look at who his offensive coordinator is now, Jason Garrett, ex-quarterback. So it's someone that can relate to Daniel Jones on that level and really help him get to the next level
0: yeah you're right you're right it's funny that that was so car- compartmentalized in the back of my head that Dan- that jason garrett is uh now working for the giants i was like wow yeah you're right
1: hey the uh the joneses and the maras maybe they are in uh cahoots when it comes to jason garrett who knows
0: but uh yeah moving on to the one player on the giants that i think unequivocally we cannot have an argument about whether or not this player is worthwhile in fantasy and that's saquon barkley yeah and you mentioned that the Giants are going to be down in a, in a fair amount of games because the defense still hasn't really improved that much. And the, the defense may let them down late in games. And Saquon Barkley is such a good, is such a good back catching the ball out of the backfield that he is, he is like a, like a fourth wide receiver in that offense, but he just lines up in a different place a lot of the time. And uh, even when the Giants win the couple of games that they're, that they're probably going to win, uh, it's still worthwhile to, because there really isn't a viable backup for Saquon Barkley that can take meaningful usage out of Saquon Barkley. So Saquon Barkley is going to be getting the majority, the lion's share of the, uh, of the attention not only from the Giants offense, but also from defenses. But I don't think Saquon Barkley is going to really care about that because he's just going to do his thing. The only, the only problem is injuries. That's the only, that would be my only issue with Saquon Barkley. Cause he had that, that calf thing that was like on and off throughout the entire season where there were, there were definitely games where it's like this clearly affects him, affected how he was doing things on the field. So I mean, if if God forbid that happens again, you might be a little wary about Saquon Barkley.
1: But hopefully, for his sake, it doesn't. Here's my thing with with Saquon. I have him right now projected at 268 carries. I think that number might be low for him. Yeah honestly, with who his new offensive coordinator is and how Jason Garrett really loved to emphasize the run in Dallas. You add the explosiveness of Saquon Barkley. He has the upside to be the number one back in fantasy over Christian McCaffrey. I also have him logged for 65 receptions. So you're talking north of 310 total touches for Saquon based on my projections could be more could be less and that also comes with again as you mentioned Adam you make a very good point his durability concerns now that is obviously something that you have to factor in when you are taking Saquon Barkley at number two or number three overall in your drafts is he played in 13 games last year so Do we expect him to bounce back, be healthy for 16 games, and be as effective as he was in 2018, his rookie year, when he was a 1,300-yard back and had 11 touchdowns to go with four receiving touchdowns? Probably not. Could he be that? Absolutely, 100%. But where do I see Saquon Barkley Being, I think he's a 1,200 yard back, and no, no doubt about it. But if he's healthy, he could have, he could give you 16, 1700 yards. I don't think anybody would be surprised, honestly. But if he's not healthy, if he's only giving you 12, 13 games, you're going to have a problem when you're taking Saquon Barkley at number two overall, and you expect Saquon to be healthy. For 16 games, like Christian McCaffrey most likely will, and Ezekiel Elliott most likely will, and potentially Alvin Kamara most likely will. So, would Saquon? Yeah, there are the durability questions, but if he's healthy, look out, because because Saquon Barkley can win people fantasy titles. He did it his rookie year, and he could definitely do it again in 2020.
0: Yep. Yep. Definitely, I agree with everything you're gonna say. Or everything that you did say. So moving on. Oh, to, thank you. Yeah. Moving on to the Giants pass catchers. And this is pretty this is kind of like where the tease that you brought up earlier is coming to fruition. And the guy that you have high hopes for, I think we we both agree on this, is Darius Slayton. Yes. He is the person that the the player that Daniel Jones trusts the most. It, as far as wide receivers are concerned, and he had a, a breakout season for the uh, better part of uh, 2019, when he was catching like multiple touchdowns a game. I was thinking of the uh, the Jet game, the Jets and Giants game, where he caught multiple multiple touchdowns against, against the Jets, and it was a uh, it, it was a great showing. And that leaves kind of not doesn't really leave much for the other pass catchers in the Giants offense i.e. Golden Tate Sterling Shepard and Evan Ingram
1: you know there's a part of me that wants to really you know be all all in on Darius Slayton I think there is one Giants pass catcher that I am very interested in based on where he is going it is Darius Slayton I have him as my wide receiver 30. My issue is this is we don't know what the health of Evan Ingram is going to be odds are if you're a betting man you bet on him missing some time but if he is healthy, then Evan Ingram becomes the number one option in that passing game, and where does that leave Darius Slayton? He had 48 receptions last year over the span of 14 games. But the number that really interests me the most is he had 84 targets. So Daniel Jones was looking his way a lot. And you could, you could say, well, Sterling Shepard was out, for intermittent periods, same with Golden Tate. Evan Ingram was out as well, and Darius Slayton was the only real option there for for Daniel Jones. I don't think it really matters that much because at the end of the day, when there's a rookie quarterback that's there and he's trying to work out the kinks with his receivers and the one guy that's there is performing and he's coming back, but also... Golden Tate will be there and ready to go. Sterling Shepard will be there and ready to go. Evan Ingram will be there and ready to go. I think Daniel Jones is going to make it a point of emphasis to make sure that Darius Slayton is included in the game plan and he does get some looks, especially when they're in close to getting some touchdowns. And when they want to take shots downfield, I think Darius Slayton is, is that guy. So for me... I'm looking at Darius Slayton and I say I look I don't look at him as being a number 1 receiver. I'm not saying that. But can he be on the cusp of being a top 25 receiver at the end of the season if he can keep the eight touchdown number up, play in 16 games and get you 65-70 catches potentially? But it it all it all hinges on that on that touchdown number which was the real source of his value last year. Was those touchdowns that he he did get because the receptions weren't there, the yards were there, seven hundred yards, but it's got to, it's got to improve. But the connection that Darius Slayton and Daniel Jones have, you can't argue it. You know it, it's a it's a true match made in heaven. It's kind of like uh, it's kind of like Stanley Kubrick and Eyes Wide Shut. You know it, it just works out so perfectly. Yeah, Daniel Jones and Darius Slayton.
0: Yes. Well, I think my one issue with uh, Darius Slayton is that if we know that Darius Slayton is the number one in the Giants offense, and we're just two guys on the outside, everybody else in the league knows that Darius Slayton is the number one in the Giants offense. So they're going to try and make it a point of emphasis to try and tell Daniel Jones metaphorically, you better throw it to somebody else. Because Daniel, Darius Slayton is fucking out of this game. We are covering him to hell. And you better beat us by throwing it to either Golden Tate, uh, Sh-
1: Stone Shepard, Evan Ingram, or Saquon Barkley. See, I only think it's going to happen if Darius Slayton just burns another team. Then you could say that Darius Slayton deserves a double. But as of right now, I think the guy that's getting the majority of the attention, depending everybody's healthy on the Giants offense, is Evan Ingram and Saquon Barkley. That's what the point of emphasis is going to be for other defenses, where if you could stop Evan Ingram, you can stop Saquon Barkley. It forces Daniel Jones to try and get the ball elsewhere, and probably the plan C there is in fact Darius Slayton. Where you know if you get if you can get a bomb, you know you're setting yourself up for a pretty nice week. You know if you're starting Darius Slayton, but. um you know, it really, it really comes down. It's going to be interesting to see what, what Daniel Jones does with a fully healthy group of pass catchers. As for Golden Tate, I think Golden Tate is a safe option. I don't see a very high ceiling with him. But could I see a, a medium range sort of floor? Sure. Yeah, I, I could see that. I think I could say the same for, for Sterling Shepard. But the one guy that I want to talk about here is Evan Ingram. And when I was doing my projections – with Evan Ingram, I was very confused because there's a part of me that says he has the talent to be in that second range of tight ends where you're talking about the Darren Wallers, the Mark Andrews, the Hunter Henrys, the Austin Hoopers of, of the world. But I can't project Evan Ingram where I think he's going to be because I don't think he's going to play 16 games. So I went with a very, very light projection for Evan Ingram. I have him at 60 catches for 700 yards and five touchdowns. And that is very, very, very low where I think he could be, that's probably his floor. Yeah. If he's, if he's playing 16 games,
0: well, you know, you and I both know that somebody's going to draft Evan Ingram based on name value. And he's yes, not, And his correct. ADP is going to be high, and it's not going to be reflective of his actual performance.
1: Especially with where we are in New York, surrounded by Giants fans, and a Giants fan will want a New York Giant on their team. It could be Evan Ingram, and he gets overdrafted. So, yeah, I, I, I'm all for that. I'm, look, I'm not touching Evan Ingram before the 8th or ninth round, and that may even be too soon for me.
0: Yeah, because you just can't – it's just not reliable.
1: Reliability no. is the best ability. I no. think, and uh, he, he's yeah. not reliable. He's, he's the complete opposite of reliable. Mm-hmm. I mean, you All look right. at yeah. his three seasons in the league, 15 games, 11 games, eight games. It's not, it just, it, it, that's not going to cut it. Sorry. Yeah. Well, moving on from one
0: player who has shown flashes and has a, a lengthy industry, injury history to another player who has shown flashes
1: Great and transition
0: a, and has a lengthy injury history. The Philadelphia Eagles and one Carson Wentz.
1: Oh, Carson.
0: He, it's so frustrating because you because people think you know oh this is it Carson Wentz has made it he's broken out he's going to be like a like a really good top, like top tier very good tier quarterback. And then his entire team gets injured, or he tears his ACL, and it's like, well, that was fun while it lasted. I guess we're back to square one. And honestly, the past two years, or past three, I guess last year and um, also uh, 2017, that's basically what happened. Because 2017, yeah. he, had, he was having the season of his life, and then he tore his ACL. Third career year, still his career high, 33 uh, passing touchdowns that season. And then last year, his entire team got injured. His yeah. entire receiving core got injured. But he was healthy for 16 games. But he was healthy for 16 games. So you can't win.
1: No. No, you will uh, He's like,
0: what okay. do you want from me?
1: I stayed healthy. <laughs> um, are we also just doing um, NFC East? Yes. Okay, cool. Actually, it um, works out better this way. I think it does, too, because we can we cover more. Um, Here's my thing with Carson Wentz, and I can't figure him out because you look at his numbers from last year, matched a career high in pass attempts, had the second highest uh, completion percentage last year at uh, just about 64% uh, completion percentage, passed for a career high in yards, 4,000 yards with a depleted offensive receiving core where it really was just Zach Ertz, Dallas Goddard, and that was kind of it with the sprinkle of Greg Ward and Boston Scott. And then had 27 touchdowns last year, which is definitely nothing to write home about. I mean, that's a a very, very, very good number for Carson Wentz. It just comes down to the durability with him. And if you could tell me right now that Carson Wentz is going to play 16 games, then I would have Carson Wentz in my top 12, no question about it. I would, but, I would ask, what's, what about the rest of his team? That would right. be my follow-up question. <laughs> right, exactly. I look at the like guys that I have. Devil. That's yeah. what it is. It's a Faustian yeah. bargain. The guys that I have around Carson Wentz. Well, let's, let's play a little game here. Carson Wentz or Tom Brady?
0: Put me in a corner here. Uh, I'd rather have Tom Brady. Okay. Carson Wentz or Ben Roethlisberger? I'd rather have Ben,
1: Ro- ben Roethlisberger. Carson Wentz or Drew Brees? Drew Brees. Carson Wentz or Aaron Rodgers. Aaron Rodgers. Carson Wentz or Matthew Stafford. For fantasy, Matthew Stafford. Okay, there we go. I have I gave the same exact answers as you, and I have all of those guys ranked higher than Carson Wentz. Carson Wentz is my QB fifteen. And I excuse me, my QB 14. Daniel Jones is my QB fifteen. If Carson Wentz is going to – I think Carson Wentz could be a top-12 QB, no, no doubt about it. But for me, it, comes, it just comes down to how healthy is he going to be and how healthy are his receivers and pass catchers going to be. It's plain and simple. And yep. if, if, if they're not, then it could be – you could really be looking at an inconsistent option at quarterback where it wouldn't shock me one bit if – this is the thing with Carson Wentz. It wouldn't shock me if he was a top seven quarterback, but it also wouldn't shock me if come week seven, he's on the waiver wire. Yeah, It it, it wouldn't. Neither one would surprise me. Either the
0: waiver wire or injured reserve. Or injured reserve, yeah. Because, uh, well, that's where his uh, backup could shine, much like in 2017. But obviously I'm not predicting the Eagles to win a Super Bowl because I'm not crazy. Do but, you know
1: whose backup is off the top of your head? Is it
0: is it Nate Sudfeld? It's Jalen Hurts. Oh
1: shit. Silly me. Yes. Silly me. I, for, I forgot. All about, I forgot all about that. After that whole rant the, that we had. The, the Eagles. The Eagles drafted a quarterback in the second round. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> oh, Howie Roseman. Oh, never change.
0: Never change. At least the Jets wait until like the fifth round to draft a quarterback. And even then, he's not going to be starting. He's True. not, a, yeah. True. So there you go. But Jay, I don't know. If it, I think Jaylen, let's just touch briefly on Jaylen Hurts because I think people are going to be really interested in sure. this because of his uh, pedigree, his college career. Sure. Only if Carson Wentz does not play 16 games. Because I don't think there's a, there's, a time there's a point where Carson Wentz can play so horribly that they're get, that Doug Peterson's going to be all right. Bring in Jalen Hurts. That point does not exist this season.
1: No, considering the amount of money that the Eagles also have tied into Carson Wentz, uh, that is not happening. Right, exactly. But maybe you know this is for like the dynasty
0: players. Jalen Hurts is this could be a good add in the.
1: When, oh, he's being, dra- he's being drafted in a rookie draft. No, yeah. no doubt, no doubt well, about yeah, it. Yeah, definitely.
0: Because the, this, is a, this is the kind of player that in a couple of years when the Eagles have the opportunity to cut bait with Carson Wentz and Carson Wentz hasn't really done much for them, if that, if that is the case, then welcome to the Jalen Hurts show. Because you don't draft a quarterback in the second round and not play him.
1: Uh, we, have, uh, we have breaking news. Mm-hmm. Um, AB went on another Twitter rant, ah, in which he said that he is announcing his retirement from the NFL round two. Didn't he already do that? I think he came out of retirement and now he's back in. Okay, when did he? Come I, out thought, of- I thought that was an interesting uh, tidbit.
0: All right, I thought it was going to be a lot more interesting because when you said Twitter rant by AB. I was like, "Wow, this is going to be more interesting than I thought it was going to be." But no. Oh, I have,
1: just- I have, uh, I have two more um, little nuggets. Okay. Um, Jalen Rager has fi- has finalized his. Speaking of the Eagles, this is actually a great time. Uh, Jalen Rager has signed his uh, first round rookie deal. Uh, Raheem Mostert is expected to stay in San Francisco, and the Eagles have also agree- agreed. To a contract with the guy that we are talking about, Jalen Hurts. Wonderful. Great time in Philadelphia. Really? Howie Roseman. Howie Roseman never changed. What a yeah. guy! It's all about the inflection in the hey. in both times that you said that. Hey, Howie Roseman is he's a friend of the podcast? Is he
0: an actual friend of the podcast, or is this
1: like no, Hunter no, no? Henry? He's not. He's he's not like Hunter Henry. It's not like Hunter Henry, but. He is a fr- he's, he's a friend of the podcast without being a legit friend of the podcast because he is breaking news. He is signing Jalen Hurts to a contract as we are talking about Jalen Hurts and his fantasy value. So you know what, Howie Roseman? Big ups to you, homie. Yep.
0: Always good to have a little bit of serendipity on this podcast.
1: Serendipity? Yeah. Eyes wide shut and serendipity. What a day. What a day. I just want to. You throw think in... Harry Roseman has ever watched Eyes Wide Shut?
0: Uh it's a pretty like well-known movie because it's made you Think cause... Jalen Hurts has? I, I don't think so. You don't think so?
1: No. You think Carson Wentz has? I I don't know. I can't remember. Really... North Dakota, North Dakota State, they were having a great time watching Eyes Wide Shut. Well, there isn't really much to do in North in North Dakota. <laughs> we can we can ask Carson Wentz about that. Maybe there's a lot to do in North Dakota that has to do with Eyes Wide Shut.
0: <laughs> oh boy
1: oh god okay I'm, I'm done i'm done okay
0: moving on to the eagles running backs. so you kind of talked about miles sanders and boston scott and you know as far as the eagles running backs are concerned i am not really touching
1: these guys with the 10 foot pole i am i love miles sanders i absolutely love miles sanders this season i think that this he has breakout written all over him I think Doug Peterson is going to let Miles Sanders be the guy finally for the Eagles and give them some consistency at the running back position and I have Miles Sanders a lock for a thousand yards I think this is he is he's a thousand yard back I have him down for six touchdowns and I also have him down for 50 receptions as well
0: well maybe the Eagles running back room isn't as crowded as it, as it as I thought it was as a once was. Well, Jordan,
1: Howard, Jordan Howard is not there anymore. No, he
0: is not. He is down in Miami.
1: Yes. So, it really, it really comes down to Miles Sanders and Boston Scott.
0: I guess in that, in that sense, then, yeah, I think Miles Sanders is going to have a great season. I mean, I, I rescind what I just said about 15 seconds ago.
1: Oh, you do? You, would you like to apologize to, uh, to Miles Sanders? No. Oh, and they also have uh, Corey Clement.
0: Ah. Well still, I don't think I think Miles Sanders is still gonna be the guy.
1: You think Corey playoffs. Clement's gonna take a big dent into Miles Sanders workload? I don't I don't think so. No. No. I do not think so. Yeah, Absolutely. I think Miles Sanders Miles Sanders, I think he this is a guy that's got top ten back written all over him.
0: Yeah, well, uh how do you like him out of the backfield?
1: As a as a receiving back. I like him. I like him. I think he's a, I think he's a guy I think he's a guy that you could talk about potentially, especially if the receiving core is depleted again because of injury in Philadelphia. I think he, his receiving work could be even more important for the Eagles. I think I have him down at 50 receptions. I think that number could go up to be closer to maybe 60 if, if certain conditions apply, of course.
0: Right. The, see, that's the, that's like the fun part. The interesting, the real interesting stuff is in the tight end and wide receiver group for the Philadelphia Eagles. Oh, yes. Because that, that's like boring stuff. Like, oh, yeah, we know he's going to be good, yada, yada, yada. Number, true number one back, workhorse back, that stuff. But for the Eagles in the wide receivers and the tight ends, you got no idea what is going to come no. out of this No, of this you group. don't. Especially, I mean, how, how many times – has Alshon Jeffrey been on the trade block? How, how close, how many almost trades with Alshon Jeffrey have gone through over this so time many. that we have started recording podcasts together?
1: So many endless. I, f- I feel like we are good for, we've been doing a fantasy podcast every summer for what, or every summer slash fall for what the last three years.
0: Yeah. Well, I was even talking about Warner? like since we started, since
1: I started filling in on the, on the Basement Talk podcast. Oh, I thought we were I thought we were talking about throughout his career in Philadelphia. I was going to say I feel like we've had Alshon Jeffrey trade rumors for the better part of the last three four years. Yeah. Either
0: way, I think I don't think that Alshon Jeffrey is going to get traded. I'd be shocked if he, if he actually and if the one of these trade rumors actually goes through, I would be very shocked.
1: No, I don't think he's getting traded either. Because what team is going to, is going to actually trade something of value for Alshon Jeffrey?
0: Also, the Eagles would basically have Jalen Rieger. Yes, and that's it.
1: And Deshaun Jackson.
0: And Deshaun Jackson. Oh, wow. don't even get me started.
1: But no, I don't want to. Yeah, I, I I I think for me it really comes down to which receiver of this group do I like the most between Jalen Rager. Deshaun Jackson, Alshon Jeffrey, and then maybe if you want to include Greg Ward into this conversation as well, J.J. ortega Whiteside. I don't know which one out of that group I like the most. I would probably side with Jalen Rager. It's probably the yeah. one that I like the most, but I, I wouldn't touch uh, touch any of them with ten foot pole.
0: Well, the funny thing is, you know, we were talking about how in the Cowboys' offense, it was like, who is the Ringo in the in the Cowboys' offense? The Eagles' wide receiver core is all Ringo. It's four Ringos.
1: I think that might be uh, being a little too kind.
0: I think Jalen Rieger is probably like, like a George Harrison of the, of the receiving corps. They don't have any Paul McCartneys or John Lennons.
1: No, no. The, the Paul McCartney and John Lennon is probably at the tight end position. Yes, that's correct.
0: Ertz and Dallas Goddard are the best tight end duo in the NFL.
1: Oh, that's a statement. Yeah, that's a I mean, statement.
0: Two, two incredible tight over ends.
1: over Chris Herndon and Ryan Griffin.
0: You know what? Second best tight end duo in the <laughs> NFL. Thank you. You're welcome. Second best. Healthy Chris, Ger- healthy Chris Herndon and Ryan Griffin are the best. <laughs> Dynamite! Dynamite! What a duo! What a duo! Name a more iconic duo. I will
1: I'll wait. wait. I will wait. <laughs> Dallas Goddard, I'm not touching Dallas Goddard. I think if you're looking for someone that maybe if you want to hope that Zach Ertz goes down with an injury, then you know how you could you have do, Dallas How Goddard. could you do something like that? Criminal, I know. I know, terrible. But, it, I mean, if you wanted to handcuff Zach Ertz with Dallas Goddard, then I guess you could. I would never handcuff a tight end. That's just kind of stupid. You only have one tight end. I mean,
0: what the – like, why – even bother
1: well that's exactly it bottom line is if you're taking one of those top three tight ends your odds are you're taking him in the second or the third round you're not taking out the tight end the rest of the draft you're done you take your tight end and you're set and then when that tight your tight end is on by then you see who's there on waivers and you make your decision then And, and and that's just sort of that but Dallas Goddard yeah I'm not I'm not touching him I like Dallas Goddard as a player but in terms of you know what I think he can be it doesn't line up with with fantasy for anything that I'm remotely interested in. So that leads us to, of course, Zachariah Ertz. Zach Ertz. I have him as my number three tight end. He is the number one guy in this offense. He will give you wide receiver two numbers, no doubt about it. I think he is as safe as they come, given his connection with Carson Wentz. Now, Carson Wentz is always, always going to be looking for Zach Ertz. Where do I have him in terms of his projections? I have him at around 80 catches, at around 900 yards receiving, and I have him at seven touchdowns. So a very, very, very safe sort of pick Zach Ertz could be. And for what it's worth too, and I, I, this is something that maybe maybe if you want to talk about before we move on to, uh, to wa- the Washington football team. Uh, very interesting that Zach Ertz, his ADP right now, is he's going in the middle of the fourth, which is fascinating to
0: me. If you give me Zach Ertz in the middle of the fourth round, I would rip your hand off. I would do, I would do, cart, I would do cartwheels. I would be like, wow,
1: I guess, cool. I get the best team in the league then? <laughs> Dope. But at, this, but at the same time, I kind of understand it because if you like Zach Ertz, you have to like Carson Wentz a bit.
0: Yeah. Well, I think even no matter who's the quarterback, I think Doug Peterson realizes what he has in Zach Ertz. true. Like, I'm, true. It would be dumb to not use uh, Zach Ertz to the as much as I can because of how good he is. And especially if the Eagles wide receiver core gets... Uh, depleted again, gets all injured again, then Zacherts and Dallas Goddard are going to be the guys, are going to be number one and number two in
1: in the offense. And then then is where I could see a reason for going out and getting Dallas Goddard because he would instantly become the number two option in that offense. And then I can understand it. Yeah.
0: But uh, in like two tight end leagues or deeper leagues, would you be interested in getting
1: Dallas Goddard? First of all, if you're playing in a two-tight end league, I seriously would recommend you get your head examined. Listen, That's I'm just, one. it's the hypothetical question. You don't need to attack these hypothetical people. Uh, then I will not attack these hypothetical people. Um, yes, I, I, I would be interested in Dallas Goddard under the condition that he is the number two option in this offense. Yes.
0: Okay. All right, let's move on to the Washington team that doesn't have a name yet anymore. The Washington blanks. The Washington no names is something that I thought I would, I was thinking about going with, but uh, the Washington football team. The Washington football team. The Washington. I can't believe people are thinking about naming them the Washington Generals. Like they don't even that's realize what, that's what people are thinking about calling them. I think the day that the name got taken off, like got, the name got retired, um, people on Twitter were like, "Call them the Washington Generals." And were just I've, been, like, I've
1: I've been seeing a lot of the Washington Warriors. That would be a cool name. Nice little play on words with the alliteration there, I gotta say.
0: Yeah. I like red tails. Red tails is a cool one. I
1: like that. Different. Yeah. I mean, they could,
0: if you wanna still be like red and gold. True. Burn and gold. You red red tails. Yes. But uh anyway. So the quarterback Washington, for the Washington football team for the Washington football team is Dwayne Haskins. Yes. Who really, I think going into last season, people did not have to didn't really have high hopes for Dwayne Haskins
1: given the team that he was uh, going into. Yes.
0: Yeah. And honestly, I mean, geez, we haven't even heard about, I hope Alex Smith is doing okay on that same, on that same subject but he's probably not coming back.
1: Uh, I, I would say there's a better chance that uh, that you would get to uh, get to watch your favorite cinematic masterpiece with Stanley Kubrick and uh, and John F. Kennedy than there would be a chance of Alex Smith ever playing football again. Yep. Uh, yep. Uh, that's yeah, probably right. I, I, I don't even want to say the name of the film, Eyes Wide mm-hmm. Shut.
0: See when you said favorite cinematic masterpiece, I was like just imagining my fa- my actual favorite movie of all
1: time. So, no, it's Eyes Wide Shut, of course. No, it's not. I know it is, hundred percent. No, it's not. Yes, it is. No, it's actually good. Adam, I know I know you better than you know yourself. Your favorite film is the absolutely Eyes Wide Shut. No, it's Goodfellas.
0: Is it Goodfellas? Good, good choice. Yeah, it's good choice. It's either Goodfellas or The Godfather Part Two. Excellent. Excellent choice. I flip flop. Um, go, moving on. Talking about Dwayne Haskins, eh, I'm not really too like no. enamored with him. No, no. Nope. And honestly, that's kind of a good summar, summarization of this Washington offense. It's just,
1: eh. If you if you're in a deep two QB league and you want someone to have on your bench in case something happens to your other two quarterbacks, then yeah, Dwayne Haskins is obviously mm-hmm. going to get drafted. But other than that, I'm not touching Dwayne Haskins. No.
0: Yeah. All right, moving on to the one position that you really – well, actually, I mean, the two positions that you're really going to be looking at as far as Washington is concerned, and that is running back with Darius Geis and Adrian Peterson and wide receiver with the uh, one and only Terry McLaurin. And let's start off with the running backs. We both – well, you especially are a big fan of Darius Geis. I am.
1: in, In 2020. Yes, I am
0: and uh, you think he's going to
1: be uh, a very good running back. I do. Yep. The thing, though, with Darius Geis is it's when he plays. When he yep. plays, he is so effective, but it is the when. He just is not healthy. The one guy, though, that I definitely want to talk about is not Darius Geis, It's not Adrian Peterson, and it is not Bryce Love. It is Antonio Gibson, the rookie out of Memphis, who Ron Rivera recently compared to Christian McCaffrey. This is a guy that a lot of people are very interested in because of the fact that he can be a running back. He can also play slot receiver. He's got great hands. He's kind of a hybrid utility player that that could be operated out of any position on the field offensively. With the exception of offensive line, because I know Adam probably would have said something along the lines of, "Oh, he could play right tackle too." Well, I mean, it's not what it sound like, but yeah, I was thinking it. you were going, you were gonna go there. I know, I know you were. But Antonio Gibson, he can line up outside, he can line up inside, he can line up in an eye formation, he can line up out wide, he could do whatever you need him to do. And Ron Rivera, we all know that he likes to be. He likes to have a nice little offensive mind to him. Of course, North Turner's son is the head coach, excuse me, is the offensive coordinator for the Washington football team now. And we all know that the Turners do like to get very creative with their running backs and they do love their running backs. So I expect that Darius Geis is going to get his run. I expect Adrian Peterson is going to get his run. If Bryce Love is healthy, then Bryce Love is going to get his run too. But I think Antonio Gibson, out of those four, out of the four running backs here, I think the most consistent role that potentially he could carve himself, I think Antonio Gibson is the one guy here that if you're looking for a deep sleeper, he could potentially be the guy. Well, in a running back room full of either old running backs or injured
0: running backs, you got to pick the healthy running back. Yep, And the, and the, young, run, the young, healthy running back, you got to pick him. Yeah, the opportunity is absolutely there for him, no doubt about it. So, moving on to the receivers, I think the only player, at least as far as, uh, as my view, that I'm looking at here is Terry McLaurin, because he had a, a solid
1: season. have uh, you forgot about the second greatest tight end in the history of the world.
0: Listen, Logan Paulson is not playing in the league anymore. He's not in the league anymore.
1: No, 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 no. Logan Paulson's the best tight end. Logan Paulson. No, it's not, it's not Logan Paulson it's Jeremy sprinkle
0: Jeremy sprinkle
1: no we're... Jeremy sprinkle
0: well you know now that Jordan Reed isn't there
1: not like it matters True. come on Adam you know you know what you to say it like that Jeremy sprinkle no I'm good you gotta uh. do it the hand with the hand motion too you're rubbing your index finger and your thumb together sprinkle <laughs> moving oh. on
0: Terry Mclaurin is uh, the only wide receiver really worth looking at here, in my opinion. I agree. And, um, yeah, honestly, that's kind of all I really have to say about it because uh, Terry McLaurin was basically the only receiver that uh, Dwayne Haskins seemed to look at all season.
1: Yeah, yeah, I I completely agree with you, Adam. I think that uh, Terry McLaurin, you could really pencil him in as a 1,000-yard receiver given the fact that, again, Washington are going to be terrible. They're going to be down in games. And it's going to force the Washington football team to throw the ball. And what it's really going to come down to is Scary Terry is going to get open, and he is going to have himself plenty of opportunities to pad his stats. So I could see Terry McLaurin being a 75-catch, 1,000-yard, receiver with the opportunity for much more with the yards for sure. And I could see him being a top 20 wide receiver. It wouldn't surprise me one bit. No, it wouldn't just based on volume. Honestly. Yeah. Yeah. Just based on volume, which, which in fantasy, what's the most important thing, Adam volume. Yes, it is.
0: Very good. Moving on to the tight ends. You want to talk about your,
1: your favorite Jeremy sprinkle. Yes. Jeremy sprinkle. Best tight end in the world. He should be drafted everywhere. Just so you could say on Sundays when he scores that, when he scores a one-yard touchdown and has one catch the entire game, you could just say, "Jerry Strickle, Jerry Strickle, Jerry Strickle. Yep.
0: Then he really would be like Logan Paulson. He'd have the immaculate stat line of one
1: catch, one yard, and one touchdown. Listen, Adam, Adam, nobody can ever beat Logan Paulson. Nobody can ever be Logan Pauls, but if there's anybody that has a chance, it's Jeremy Sprinkle. Yeah. Well, really, how he... many how many people do you think have turned off the podcast by now just because of he- having me ha- hearing me uh, say Jeremy Sprinkle?
0: Um. Basically everybody. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, they're getting they're getting a whole lot out of this experience. Go draft Jeremy Sprinkle. You'll thank me later.
0: Well, considering that the. Uh, Two previous number one tight ends in Washington are either free agents or retired.
1: Yes, so, I, I'm obviously I'm obviously being facetious. Don't go draft, don't draft him. Yeah. It's no, there's not going to be much there. Delaney Walker could end up there, for all we know. And yeah. Jeremy Sprinkle turns into Jeremy Sprinkle. Yeah, exactly.
0: So there you go. Anyway, thank you for listening to this episode of the Basement Talk Podcast Fantasy Show. You can find all episodes of the Basement Talk Podcast, Basement Talk Podcast Fantasy Show, and the Vitational on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Be sure to listen, like, leave a five-star review, leave a comment. If you like this at uh, all of our episodes, and please, keep your eyes peeled for whenever we release new episodes of not only the regular basement talk podcast but also the inquisitational and the basement talk podcast fantasy show
1: yes and go check out the inquisitational because when we recorded it last adam was in the center of some major 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 controversy so fun fun stuff for my co-host
0: ed burtsall i'm adam we'll talk to you next time on the basement talk podcast fantasy show
1: bye bye